You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I want to talk a little bit about why Yuan Mankata should be batting second every single day. Okay. Let's get Frank into Thomas it. said this on Monday night, and I agree with Big Hurt. But I want to back it up with data because there are people that think that that's ridiculous. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you some stats, and I'm going to let you decide whether or not it's either A, he should be batting second no matter what, lefty or righty, on the mound, he should always be batting second with Abreu protecting him. Or B, Ricky Renteria is right to be moving him between batting second, sometimes batting first, and all pretty much all the time batting fifth against lefties. So these are some simple statistics. First of all, there are only two players on the White Sox who consistently bat in the two spot. Yohan Moncada or Tim Anderson. Okay. Nobody else has double-digit bats in the two spot. These are the guys batting in the two spot on a consistent basis. You can't argue it. You can just go online and you can find those statistics with a couple of clicks on your keyboard. These are the two guys. So let's compare the two guys that Ricky Renteria is using in the two spot and let's see if he's using them in the right way. First off, let's look at their overall statistical line. Yuan Mankata is hitting 289 right now with a .877 OPS. And Tim Anderson is hitting 322 right now with a .873 OPS. Higher batting average, but in terms of extra base hits, Moncada brings you the same value at the plate. If you go by OPS, which I always say is my most valuable stat. Are you talking in the two spots strictly or just No, I'm talking overall their complete amount of stats. This is what they're doing. This is them for the entire season, just to give you a base. These are two very comparable players. Now, let's take a look at what they both do against left-handed pitching. Against left-handed pitching, the two of them hit basically the same. Tim Anderson is hitting 273 with an on-base percentage of 304 and an OPS of 668. Yohan Mankata is .002 points off of average and OPP on-base percentage from Anderson. He's hitting 275 with a 302 on-base percentage, and his OPS is also extremely comparable at a .655. Versus lefties. Versus lefties, right. they're virtually the same player. That's the first point I want to make. Can you dispute that? Is there anything wrong with what I said there? Do you see any real difference between them? They, they have between the two of them, they have one home run against lefties and about and five doubles and no triples. They're singles hitters against lefties. That's what they are. So I'm trying to real quick. I'm trying to find that split on. Well, no, I, I'm reference. just telling you to split. You don't trust me. No, because you were asking me. So okay, I was, no, no. I just I want to know if you hear the, if you hear that data, does that make sense to you? Me no, just yeah, sure. making the claim that these guys are basically the same hitter against lefties. Yeah, sure. Yes. Basically the same hitter against lefties. Okay. Against righties. Let's take a look at them. Mancada against righties is hitting 296 with an OPS of 980. While Anderson is hitting 343. God love you, Tim Anderson, the way you're hitting this year with an OPS of 962. So, so both are better against righties. They're both better against righties, and they both rank about the same if you look at the OPS statistic. Anderson hits for a much better average, but OPS-wise, in terms of how many times they're getting on base and the extra base hits and what they're doing to contribute to the team, they're both pretty much the same player. They sit right up at the top. In fact, only one guy does better than them, James McCann. <laughs> right. should be locked into like a four-year deal. We'll talk about that later. Now, they're basically the same thing then, right? 
against righties. One yes. hits better for average, but uh, overall, they're both hitting, get, doing really well. They're right up at the top of the team because against coming, righties. Right, yes. Okay, so now we have established these two players are virtually doing the same thing in a little bit different ways overall against lefties and against righties. They are the same. Ricky Renteria insists, though, on generally, for the most part, batting Anderson second, at least he has to this point, batted Anderson second against left-handed pitching and batted Moncada second against right-handed pitching. So he seems to think there is a difference. So let's see what they do just in the two-hole. In the two-hole, this is what these two hitters do. Tim Anderson hits 250 with a 746 OPS. So it goes down significantly. In the two-hole. Yeah. When given the opportunity to actually hit against lefties, he actually does worse against what his overall average against left-handed pitching is. Even against lefties overall, he's hitting for a better average than he's hitting in the two-hole, right? Right. He's hitting 275 or something like that, or 273, we said. Yes. And he's at 250 in the two-hole when he gets put there by Ricky Renteria. Meanwhile, Yoan Mancada is hitting 333 with an OPS of 1.117. So literally, he does better in the two-hole than he does anywhere else. Against right-handed pitching alone, he only has an OPS that's in the 900s, but he jumps into the 1100s when he bats second against, against right-handed right, pitching. Against right-handed so pitching. for the times that Ricky Renteria, when he's faced right-handed pitching and he's not in the two-hole and doesn't have the protection of Jose Abreu behind him, he actually doesn't do as well. He has a markedly better statistical line with Abreu sitting behind him and batting in the two-hole, right-handed hitting-wise, Okay. If Anderson is not doing any better in the two spot than Mancada would do, and Anderson is not doing any better against lefties than Mancada would do, and Anderson has demonstrated he hits better for average lower in the lineup than Mancada does, and Mancada has shown that in the two spot is his best possible thing, why wouldn't you just leave him in the two spot all year long? And I'm going to give you the one argument that I keep hearing. Ricky's just moving the lineup. We have bigger we have bigger problems than this. Let's not yell about this stuff. You guys are just cherry-picking stats. Let's look at their lifetime stats. Let me tell you something. Yohan Mankata and Tim Anderson, if we look at their lifetime stats, they should be platoon players. So let's not look at their lifetime stats. Let's look at what they're doing this year. Since Mankata moves the third and gets another year under his belt, since Anderson finally seems to figure everything out and doesn't isn't dealing with the tragedy of the loss of his friend and, and all these issues that he seemed to be dealing with that I keep getting shoved at me. Okay, when the White Sox are trying to explain why he wasn't doing well. Let's look at what they're doing this year because they're clearly new players. They're new and better versions of themselves that we hope they continue to be. So looking at these new and better versions of both of these players that we hope they continue to be, why wouldn't you encourage the guy to hit well in the two spot and does better than the other guy in the two spot, no matter if it's a righty or a lefty pitching? He does better than Anderson against lefties. He does better than Anderson in the two spot. Put him in the two spot. Anderson does better lower down the lineup. Anderson does lower down in the better lower in the lineup against lefties too. Put him down. The stats are literally now sitting there has, right in your face. Now he has been as of late though, hasn't he? Because I have noticed that Anderson has been batting in the seventh spot. He has recently. moved him down. But I, I made I, I made the point after the game on Monday night where Mancada's been hitting, I think he was hitting 200 for the month of May going into Monday night. And he goes out there, gets he had, had some nice hits, had two home runs. Had a big day at the plate. Okay. He had a big day at the plate on Monday night. All right. And all I did was point out 
man, he does so well in the two spot. I had a ton of notifications on the Twitter account from the argument that ensued afterwards. This is clearly something that people are talking about. So I just want to bring just a little bit of logic to this argument. If the guy is good, I mean, let me just review this again. They're both the same player versus lefties. They're both the same player basically versus righties. They're both the same player overall. One does markedly better in the two spot and the other one does worse in the two spot even when you line him up. He's actually doing worse in the two spot. So Anderson's average goes down in the two spot. So I don't understand the idea. I don't I don't get it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm an idiot. Like I said, I'm just a guy sitting in his bar talking about the White Sox with his buddy. But then I had a I had a fan send me something. This is this is just a stat that was sent by a fan. You know, I encourage people that are listening to the show to reach out and talk about things that we talk about. You there's many ways that you can do it. This guy reached out on Twitter because he saw this argument. I loved what he found. He said it was off of fan graphs. Okay. This is provided to me by a listener. Okay. Yohan Moncada in 2019, batting second against right-handed pitching, hitting 313, and actually in the nine games and seven plate appearances that he had left-handed pitchers throw against him while he was in the two spots. So basically a relief pitcher comes in. It's a lefty, right? Right. He's hitting over 500, hitting 571. Hmm. Okay. Against anybody else, okay, and batting anywhere else, first or fifth, because he's only batted first or fifth if he's not in the two spot. Against righties, he's hitting 250, and against lefties, he's hitting 227. That's 30 plate appearances against righties, hitting 250, and 46 plate appearances against lefties, hitting 227. Not batting second. Not batting second. So when he's moved down and a right-handed relief pitcher comes in, it's not like all of a sudden he starts lighting it up later on down. He has benefited from the protection of Jose Abreu. I think it's very hard to argue against that. And when a professional hitter who's a Hall of Fame hitter and a World Series winning manager sit on the postgame show and basically say the same thing that I'm saying, I could care less what somebody who on Twitter wants to tell me about that we're wrong on this one. Your argument's invalid at this point. Guys who play the game, guys who are experts at the game, guys who have managed players before, guys that, and, and anybody with a brain who can read stats all see this. If you want to be a Ricky apologist, fine. I've said before, I haven't had a problem with some of the things that he's done pitching-wise. I've defended him at times, but he's wrong here. Yeah, and he's wrong. You know, the other thing, too, is a lot of the moves, you know, a lot of the things that I've been critical of him for. I mean, you've pointed out, you know, his hands are tied a little bit because, you know, what's he going to do? Right. It's not like he was given a great team. No. Now, I don't understand. Again, I don't understand going back to Alonzo in the four spot. That doesn't make any sense. No, the, guy's Alonzo, hitting under, the guy's hitting under 200, and James McCann is a beast. Alonzo and you, and in the he, four spot makes no sense, and Wellington Castillo in a White Sox uniform makes no sense. I mean, those McCann are the, can't catch every day. Those are the, those McCann, are the two. Listen, listen, McCann can't catch every day. No, but he, Castillo should not be getting the amount of games that he's been getting. Don't you agree? Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Last week it got canceled because of rain. This week we're going to try to do it. It does again look like rain. But if things are good, we're going to be out there on the patio at 3020 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park at the Red Palm for a live show from 7 until 9 p.m. They also have turtle races out there. If your turtle wins, you get like a t-shirt. If your turtle loses, you get like a beer. The last place turtle gets free beer. So you basically want your turtle to lose. It's a race where you're sitting there going, please lose. I just want another free beer. And they do multiple races throughout the night out on the patio, okay? So they're going to be doing that. They have Queen of Hearts out there as well that night. So it's going to be at the Red Palm. It's an island bar. Island 
attitude, local latitude. The Red Palm and Evergreen Park, we will be out there at 7 p.m. Thursday night. If it rains, we'll be out there next, next Thursday, Thursday night. night. But my plan is for this to work. You know, we had to cancel it last week because it was going to rain and it stopped raining at 2 in the afternoon. And we could have done it. Okay. So I'm keeping this thing going until there's actual rain pouring outside right before it happens. I'm not canceling it. it the weather is unpredictable right now. So Red Palm, Thursday night, the 16th. Here's the thing with James McCann. James McCann is doing an incredible job, not only at the plate, but the way he frames pitches, the way he's helping the staff. And and, and you know what? We don't have time for me to go and break down it all, so we'll, we'll, do, it next, we'll do it next week if we want. But I, I found some things on it just casually reading it. And you can see it with the eye test. He moves oh, the, the glove. P- the pitching, he moves the yeah. glove inside. He does a great job of dragging a ball back into We've the zone. We've talked about, and I've talked about Castillo how Castillo doesn't do that. Castillo doesn't do that. He uh, Castillo lets Castillo lets multiple uh, pass balls or wild pitches get by him per game. Steve Stone was raving about the defense of James McCann the other day. Yes. on the air, and he was right about it. Yes. Okay, he's the kind of guy that you can just let the ball go if you're a, if you're a pitcher, and he's he's going to get it. If it's going to hit the dirt, that, he's I heard that comment. It. I did hear See that what I'm saying? comment. Yeah. If it's going to hit the dirt, he's going to get it. Now, and he gives confidence to the pitchers because of that. And then he did an amazing thing with Giolito. Did an amazing thing with Giolito the other day. A guy who has greatly benefited by having McCann behind the plate. He's benefited by the fact that he's starting with his pitch behind his back. So pitchers can't, or batters can't pick up exactly what he's doing like they were before. That's been a major change. And credit the pitching coach for that. But then also, he can't find the strike zone the other night. And his last start, and he's having a problem getting in there with his fastball. And McCann walks out there and has a conversation with him. And clearly he told him, we're done with that pitch. And it's all off speeds. It's all, it's all, you know, things that are diving out of the strike zone. And he just cruises to, you know, a seven plus inning start and a victory. Yeah, I remember that. He did He's settle a, down he after He helps that. your pitchers. Think of how valuable James McCann is to your team right now. Well, not just. He, he improves your pitchers. And hits at a great pace. And yet, you now in the last week have decided, you know what, he can't hit in the four spot anymore because I got to put Alonzo in there because I got to go lefty, righty, righty, lefty, lefty, oh. righty. You know, remember the last time we did that when we stuck square uh, peg in the, in the round hole Adam Dunn for four years and tried to tell everybody, well, I know he's terrible, but we want to go righty, gonna, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. And he's going to get better. Right, he's a professional hitter. He's going to get better. Knock off the belief that it's you're always a bad fan. You're a bad fan if you criticize Adam Dunn. Knock off the belief that you got to be righty, lefty, lefty, righty. That you got that you gotta you gotta alternate sides now, of the plate throughout just, your lineup. That that's more important than putting guys in there that deserve to hit. Okay. McCann should be batting fourth, and Alonzo should be platooning with somebody. Okay. I don't even know why he's getting all these at bats. You're gonna vest him. You're gonna vest him and you're gonna be stuck with him next year for nine million dollars. What are you doing? Well, and here's the problem with Alonzo. Well, okay, two things. He's Number hitting one eighty seven or something two like things, that. Two things, two things, two things. So uh got McCann and Castillo's stats in front of me right here, right now. So James McCann, 24 games, 89 at-bats, okay? Wellington Castillo, 22 games, 70 at-bats, only 19 less. Dude, that's a problem. That's a problem. You can't split these guys 50-50. No. No way. No, you can't. Absolutely not. Now, credit to Renteria. He's giving McCann more starts, but McCann's not giving him a choice. Well, but the, and yeah, that's the thing. McCann has forced the issue against the manager. Again, this is something that I have an issue with Ricky. I think Ricky is stubborn. I think we've said this before and we've pointed out examples of this. Ricky has players that he loves and he wants to keep those players in and he wants to play those players. I I think he has this 
He has this love of Wellington Castillo that I'm never going to understand. No. It's the love of Wellington Castillo that when Omar Navarez came back last year, all of a sudden in your biggest series towards the end of the year against the Cubs, you decide you're not going to use you're not going to use him. And then and then Navarez is traded away. I don't know if that's because Ricky's like, he's not really my catcher. Maybe you should see what you can get for him, or if that had nothing to do with it. But then you get McCann in here and McCann is still fighting. Now I will tell you this McCann is becoming a DH sometimes. That was a good thing when McCann was DHing when he needed a break behind the plate, but I'm not seeing that anymore. Now I'm seeing for some reason Alonzo in the four spot. McCann isn't getting moved into the DH spot. That was working. I don't well, get Well, and that, that was the question I was just going to ask you because, again, here, all right, so we have Yonder Alonzo. Already, already, it's the second week of May. Dude's got 133 at-bats. You're right. He's, they're going to vest him. He sucks. And it's he sucks be, and we're going to vest him. I don't right. understand it. I mean, unless, 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 the only thing that I can... The only thing that I can fathom about that is that you're trying to roll him out there because you're trying to get something for him at the trade deadline. Right. I mean, if the that trade deadline the only, hits and you bench him, I'm fine with that. That is the only. That is the only way that any of this makes sense. Now, you actually had answered a question I was going to ask you: Is that okay? So, if you're platooning Alonzo with somebody, who do you platoon him with? But you answered it with McCann, right? Because there's really nobody else on this team that. I'm seeing that that jumps out to me as a DH that you could really do that. James with, McCann but. kills the ball against lefties and righties equally. Besides him, though, but that's what I'm saying. Besides season, him, right? James McCann should be batting fourth. Okay, your lineup should be Leury Garcia leading off because I have no problem with him leading off. He's done a fair job leading off. I mean, is he's he, contributing. He he's he a contri- great leadoff hitter. No, but he's been contributing. He's contributing I'm fine with, with the bat. His defense is right. his defense is is not very good. But I right. mean, we have a couple of folks who that that fit that bill. So I get right, Liari Garcia. Always you should have against Mon- righties and lefties. Mancada against righties and lefties. Always Abreu against third. righties and lefties. Always McCann against righties and lefties. Always one, two, three, four. All the time. And then you put Anderson like at six or seven. He does better when he's a little bit low. If look, if you want to put if you still want to push Alonzo, put him fifth. What are you doing? Why don't you want to protect Abreu? If you're a pitcher right now and you get Jose Abreu coming up, and you just had to go through the Moncada thing when they actually when they bat him second and he's mashing the ball batting second. So when you get to Abreu after you've just had to get through Moncada and you literally you easily have at least one guy on. I mean, look at what these guys are now, doing in front of him. it's interesting because I don't have this. I don't have this stat in front of me. But um, Abreu started off the year terrible. Yeah. Okay. And he's got he's got he's got Alonzo batting fourth behind him. He picked it up a when lot McCann was behind over, him. When McCann was yes, when McCann was behind him. I don't have the stat as to like how he bats yeah, but whenever McCann is behind him. But again, you can you could you can look at it with the eye test. Forget you don't necessarily stat. need Forget stat the stat with that. It's yes. obvious to any White Sox fan that's watching games, Abreu had a rough start to the season with no protection behind him. Abreu got protection behind him in a hot-hitting James McCann. And his average went up and he started playing well. The manager has now decided he wants to put Alonzo behind him again. Right, and look, at, and, pitcher, look at, and look at what's happening to Abreu's average. It's going back down and again. And if you're a pitcher and you get to that point where you've had to survive a Mancada, if he's in the two spot, let's just, at any point this season, and if he does what we told him to do, you get a guy in Mancada who's at the two spot who's got an OPS over 1,000, who's batting second, and then you come into Abreu right after that. Do you really want to pitch to Abreu when you know you've got a guy hitting 187 sitting behind him who can't get a hit? No. Who every time he puts his bat on the ball looks like a little leaguer who's just trying to push it through the infield? No. No, not at all. 
You're no, going to give Abreu nothing. But again, and Abreu's going to and Abreu's going to press. Especially Abreu's going to press. He's going to try to get that hit because he knows there's holes in this lineup. Is this because the, there's a leader on your team? Is this the what we talked about last or last week or so ago about though about you got. You know, the only reason you have Alonzo out there is because you made it a point to sign this dude in the offseason and you're paying him a bunch of money. I mean, is that the only reason why we have to keep looking at him? It, it, look, you hope that the reason is we want to make sure that he does well enough that we can deal him. And if we get to the trade deadline and they're unable to deal him, unless he has made this amazing turnaround that I don't expect, because it's not like he was like a career 290 hitter. No, okay? no, 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 so, no, no. I mean, it's like, like 260 yeah, something. Yeah, he's that. So this amazing turnaround that you're expecting, I don't think is happening. So unless that happens, they either bench him to make sure he doesn't vest. And if they do that, I'm fine. I, I'm at least better. I still think he should be batting fifth. Okay, but I'm at least better with what you did. I but can't. the other possibility is this is once again a stubborn front office move or a stubborn managerial move or a combination of both in which nobody wants to admit they're wrong. And at your, you're begging me to come out to the ballpark. I'm going to two more games this month. I'm very sorry. You're begging me to go out to the ballpark. You're begging me to sit here and watch these games. And anybody sitting on their couch can see this is wrong. Anybody sitting on their couch who's been watching these games can see that it's wrong, that you keep tinkering with your lineup, flip-flop and Mancata and, and Anderson. And now they know it's wrong when you sit there and you look at the actual raw statistics that show you it's wrong. The numbers don't lie. Okay. Anybody with a brain can sit on television and see that Alonzo not only is bad and shouldn't be batting in the four spot, but him batting in the four spot has a negative impact on one of your best hitters in Jose Abreu. Anybody sitting on their couch and watching television right now can see that James McCann has earned the starting role. And actually, even though he's arbitration eligible next year, I keep trying to figure out why that is. I, I, I think it was the way he was let go. He still has a year of arbitration, so you still have control over him, even though you don't have a contract on him. You can sit down. You should definitely, if he has a good season, you should sit down. You should make this guy your catcher for the next three, four years. Let Zach Collins come in and be the backup catcher and work with him. And guess what? Collins can move to DH. Collins can go over and spell Abreu at first base. Collins can be the backup catcher. McCann, with the way he's framing pitches, the pitching staff benefits so much better with him behind the plate than Wellington Castillo. You let Castillo go. You're building something. Look, we're building something still, right? I thought we were still building something. I'm trying to look at the positives this week. You have Abreu is a hitter on your team. Mancada is good, and you know how to use him now. You know how to use him. I just told you how to use him. Anderson is good. You know how to use him. His defense is suspect, but it, it, he's hitting his way out of his bad defensive mistakes right now. Uh, you, you have just James McCann that you got so lucky that he figured it out when he happened to end up on your team. And look at the effect he's having on your pitching staff. Look at how you were able to fix Lucas Giolito, who most people gave up with at the beginning of the season, and he's the ace of your staff right now. There, there are negative things that have happened with all these Tommy John surgeries and Rodon's out now. And once again, Mike Rodolfo, I mean, that guy's never making it to the major leagues. He can't get through two months of the minors without being injured. He's out for the season again. No, I, didn't okay? hear, I didn't hear that. I mean, you have all these other issues that are going on, but let's look at the things that are going well, and then let's cultivate those things. Let's support those things. Support James McCann. Support uh, Abreu in the lineup. Support Yohan Moncada in the second position. Support the fan base that still hasn't given up on you totally, that's showing up the ball games. Okay, stop forcing Yonder Alonso on people that are out there. Stop, stop insisting that Wellington Castillo is going to get it going. Sure, every once in a while, Beef Wellington hits a home run. That's great. But, you know, there's there's got to be a point where you sit there and say, this guy right here, he gives us something that 
You can't say Castillo's a better defensive player, and you can't say he's a better offensive player than McCann. No. In both categories, he's not better. He's not better defensively, he's not better offensively, and he's not better for the pitcher. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. Dave, I feel as though we are a simple twosome that sits down here at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Well, there's definitely nothing complex about no, you. No, no. And we sit down here, we talk a little bit about the Sox, and you know, we grew up here watching this team, grew up across the street from each other. And I think we have the conversations that a lot of people have with each other. In fact, that's one of the compliments that I always get. Well, I would hope so. I mean, right. when it comes to this team, I hope people aren't sitting around talking about how amazing they are. <laughs> Listen, they've actually been playing pretty good. I mean, they're playing, I mean, what are they? They're, they're, they're 500 over their last 10 games. They've they put together a little streak at least through Monday night. Because you've had the Indians, you've had the Blue Jays, and then you have the Indians again. They do very well against the non-elite teams and against a very weak division, which goes back to the point that we've made before that wouldn't it have been nice to have made a few moves and grabbed a few veteran guys and and probably had a chance to compete or at least be in the picture and given fans kind of some excitement at a very low cost well, that's what we ex- this season. That's what we expected. I mean, we did not expect, you know, we did not expect that 2019 was going to be the year no, but you know, we would have at least liked to have had more than uh, four guys to watch on this team, and then have all the, you know, and then have everybody tell you that, well, you know, yeah, we suck, but I mean, watch these four guys. First of all, this is a conversation. I don't expect everybody to agree with everything that we say. That's the first thing. No, it's a conversation. I don't expect anybody to agree with what we have to say. I do find it funny though how some people are getting offended now when you say something bad about the team. I had one gentleman who went absolutely nuts on Twitter about a week or so ago with me because I said Juan Manaya was bad. Well, He actually said, you wouldn't say that to Juan Manaya's face. I just want to make a quick point here. First of all, I don't think it would benefit anybody, especially Juan Manaya, for me to walk up and say something to his face. That would just be cruel and mean. <laughs> but Juan Manaya is not a very good pitcher. The statistics back it up. Probably, a, several, nice, probably, a, nice probably a nice guy. He's had several years to earn it, but you know what? We all learn at some point. Maybe it was when you were eight years old. You weren't going to be a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> Maybe it was in high school. You learned you weren't going to be a Major League Baseball player. Maybe it was in double A. But at some point, the majority of us all learned that we're not good at baseball, or at least not good enough to be a Major League Baseball player. Unfortunately, Juan Manaya should have learned that by now. He, I, I don't fault him for going out there. He wants to be a baseball player. He wants to improve. I just think the White Sox have stuck with him too long. But if you want to insinuate that I wouldn't have it in me to go say anything to Juan Manaya, that's absurd. You just don't know me. I'm the guy who once saw Stephen Jenkins, Third Eye Blind singer, backstage grab his sister's butt and punched him in the face and took on his whole band. Okay, and then stood on the radio the next morning and challenged him to come meet me at 24 East Green Street uh, in Champaign, Illinois, just and fight me. Just to clarify. And his tour bus pulled up at the end of the driveway, but he was too chicken to get out. Just to clarify, he grabbed your sister's Grabbed my sister in the rear end, on the keister. I once made Howie Mandel so angry, he stormed out of my studio. So please, don't insinuate that I don't have it in me to tell somebody when I think they're terrible. If I think you're terrible, I say you're terrible. 
and I've stood by it my entire life. I've just gotten old enough that I just don't see the reason. Like, what should, what should I do? I should go out to a bar. I should find Juan Manaya. I should walk up and be like, hey, you suck. That would be mean. That would be cruel. Okay. But I, as a fan, as a fan, I'm allowed to say he's bad at baseball. That's not even to say that guys can, you know, be bad and then figure it out because right. that's happened. Now, I'll, you know, just remember. And I'll be the last first year, to admit it. I'll be the first year. to admit it. I was all over Tim Anderson, right? I'm sorry, Dave, but I was all over Tim Anderson. And now I walk around and I say, I'm glad he proved me he wrong. He is proving you wrong so far. But no, the guy that comes to mind, anytime Aaron Bummer went to the mound last year, I would just want to throw up in my mouth. Look at what he's doing this year after a, a little stint in, right. in AAA. Right. He's been lights out. He has been amazing. So I stand very much corrected on that. But you're allowed to be upset with a player and you're allowed to critique your team. But I have no illusions whatsoever or motivations to make the team like me, to make some program director like me, to make some media personality like me. I'm just going to be honest about what we talk about. If you don't like that, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. I will tell you this, though. The funniest comment ever. I mean, and I used to get hate mail when I when I did morning radio. You always get hate mail. The, sure. The, the number one thing that you learn when you're doing radio, and I learned this when I was 19 years old was the first time I was a morning radio host. And I started to get hate mail. And that's back when people couldn't tweet things to you or send a quick comment. It would actually like lick a stamp and put it in the mail. And they have to put the return address on the envelope. I mean, think how bold and angry you have to be to do that. Like the write something. And they would write things like, I hope you die. And if I see you walking across the street, I'm going to run you down to my car. I mean, they would write horrible things. Wow. Like you should never procreate. Like, and they would write <laughs> two page letters about it. I would get these things. And I remember the first time I got one, I was looking at one. I'm like, man, this guy hates me. And some guy who was a radio veteran walked up and goes, you know, you're doing good when people have, they take the time to write about how much you annoy them. You know, you're doing good at that point. And I always took that as something. So I feel like we're doing good because I laughed out loud and read this at least six or seven times. I called my dad and read it to him. Erica walked over to the table and was like, what are you laughing at? We set up the socks in the basement online store this week. But while I was setting it up, I was also doing some promotional stuff. And for some reason, I needed the link for the Apple podcast section like where you know you can listen on a million different podcast players but apple's like the number one thing so i just googled socks in the basement itunes or socks in the basement apple podcast and it popped up the page because i just wanted to grab the link and insert it into something while i was building up a web page and the customer reviews pop up right away and i okay. just all of our customer reviews when somebody turns takes the time to write something is always positive which i really appreciate yeah and if you want to write something that, that helps a podcast and it's very nice of everybody that's done it but we have one where the guy gave us one star and actually wrote something. And he put his full name on it. Interesting. Which I loved. Okay, that's pretty. Um... I love the fact that he put his full name on it. I love that he wrote his first and last name on it. God bless him. Okay. He gets all the respect in the world for me because he owned it. I love this, though. I'm actually looking my dad this thinks, up right now. My dad thinks he's talking about you, but I, I hope he's talking about me. Or us as a, us in general, because I love I laughed out loud. The title of the review is The Neighbors You Try to Avoid. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right. Here it is. You know the blowhard living down the street who, when he comes out of his front door, all the neighbors scatter. The guy who talks smack about you behind your back and never has a good thing to say about anyone. Welcome to Socks in the Basement. <laughs> if it wasn't so wordy, I'd make a t-shirt. I would put that right on it. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is face mine.
Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement Broadcast Basement The Nudie's Basement The Broad Basement Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.